Follow the Relationship Podcast. The podcast about leadership, potential, and getting out of your own way. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Dauphiny. Welcome to the Father Relationship Podcast. It means so much to have you here. Cannot believe this is episode eight. We're eight episodes in. If you have not got a chance to check out episode six and seven, please dive back in. Love to hear from you guys. This podcast, again, is about our reframing our potential and getting out of our own way. But even by the title, you can tell it's about relationships and specifically the relationships that we have in our life and how those relationships impact us, but also our relationship to our fears, our relationship to the tools we use and the questions. So the good news is a title like that gives me a lot of leeway on where we can go. But um, mostly this, I want to talk about the relationships, this first phase of these episodes. I only keep doing these until something gets in my way. But um, initially, a lot of this is about the relationships of people I've met over the years. I've been coaching and consulting since I quit my job at HP in 2000 and I believe five or six. So I started the company and then incorporated in 2007. So I've been doing this nearly 15 years, 16, depending on how you count it. And I can trace large portions of my journey to my interactions with people I've met at certain times. And there's power in that. And over, and as I've begin, begun thinking about the episodes I want to share with you, I'm thinking about the stories that I think shaped me the most. A couple weeks back, I talked about um, the the experience of having to bury Virginia, um, this woman I did not know, this refugee in Nigeria in a pauper's field, and how that shaped the questions I wanted to ask myself at the end of my life. But I was thinking this week about the vision I have. So... Uh, these are going to be story based, but I want you to know what I'm talking about. And this is, I was thinking about vision and how, how does, how does my understanding of vision has it been shaped by the people I've met? In 2012, I was um, heading back into Afghanistan. I began in 2011 traveling to Afghanistan at the request of a friend of a friend. Um, she and her husband had begun doing two different things in Kabul and as well as Mazar and parts of different parts of Afghanistan. Um, they had started doing medical education and support for organization for um, hospitals and people in need, but they had also leveraged a lot of those relationships to do leadership development. And so anyway, she she was going in and out with a small team a couple different times a year. And I got asked saying, hey, Mike, you do leadership development stuff. Would you like to come? And it was my, my first trip to Afghanistan was in 2011. And during that time, I got connected with a student organization. Um, I won't give their name um, for security reasons, but um, a student organization that focused in on leadership and um English, as well as doing formal debate. They've become, become known for formal debate across Asia. Um, they put together amazing collegiate debate teams and things like that. And so I, what began in 2011 has become a long, long relationship with them. And I love them and most students deeply. I know some of them listen. I can see the, the Afghanistan listens popping up on my podcast stats. So if you're out there in Afghanistan, I love you guys and appreciate you. Um, it, became a, it really became the foundation of my long-term relationship with Afghanistan and um, got to got to know some of the students on that first trip, but just basically teaching basic leadership. And so I had this crazy idea 
what if we could do Clifton Strengths with Kabul University students? Now, university students from Kabul Polytechnic or Kabul University, what would that be like? Because I love Clifton Strengths. Many of you guys know that's something I do. And if you have not checked out my YouTube channel, um, you'll find my series Clifton Strengths in 60 Seconds out there where I teach Clifton Strengths in 60 Second Bites. And it's a great tool to start your leadership journey. But what I realized is, is that there's a real barrier for those that ever have to take StrengthsFinder. To take Clifton Strengths, one, it has to be in your language. Two, you need a computer. Three, you need a credit card. Um, just those three, three, those three things right there put a real barrier between your ability to get a world-class tool that can give you language to describe your talents and, and how to invest in your life. What I love to say about Clifton Strengths is it takes the guesswork out of personal leadership. What ends up happening, though, is that if you don't have those things, you can't take it. So I thought, what what would it take for us to do this? So um, I talked to some people at this organization, and we decided that we would figure out a way to take Clifton Strengths. So what we did was we took all 177 paired questions and screenshotted each one of the questions. Now, Clifton Strengths is 177 paired responses that you pick how you fit on that continuum between the, each response. So there's 177 questions, but you've got statements on both. We had someone screenshot all 177 questions, pairs, and then translate them into Dari, which is one of the two major, two predominantly spoken languages in Afghanistan. There's a lot of different languages, but Dari being one of the predominant, Pashto is is the more formal um, upper, uh, it's different tribal. So Dari is the language that the average Afghan speaks. And we got to translate it into Dari. And, and this person translated each one and we did it into an Excel spreadsheet. And then what we did was we then... You know, so somebody said, "Well, hey, let's have the students take it, and you can do Clifton Strengths." Now, I'm, I'm going to claim this. I don't know, John. You know, John Clifton. You want to get back to me? Let me know. Um, I think I might have been the first one to do Clifton Strengths with students in Afghanistan. And if I, if I am, I claim that title proudly. But we thought, let's do this. And I, I think I was just more excited about the challenge, right? I'm a, I have command in my top five. If you know the Enneagram, I'm an eight, so I love a good challenge. And so I was just kind of. Excited excited by the prospect of this. So we had about 15 students take it. Now, how did they take it? We had them take it on paper with, you know, basically on the Excel sheet with somebody with them if they had questions about the about what the, the statement meant as quickly as possible. Then we had people who spent hours long into the night going in and responding for them in the Clifton Strengths. Now, obviously, that's not going to be as accurate. It's not the same. But it was our first attempt. It's not in Dari. We had to do what we had to do. We got about 15 students to take Clifton Strengths on paper, and then the staff, the Afghan staff that spoke English very well, translated it. And I was super excited. And so I was I was doing a bunch of other leadership for some government consulting and some teaching that week. But then I had carved out at the end of a 10-day run to Afghanistan to do a two-hour session with, I think, about 12 of these students who spoke English well enough that we could that we could try to do this two hours talking about Clifton Strengths. And I was pumped. I had sent Gallup a message saying I was going to be the first. And... <laughs> Do you ever start marketing the thing before you do the thing? Just so you know, that's a problem for some of us with communication. It's a Clifton Strengths Finder theme. I could, I could like hear how I was going to talk about this in my head already. Yeah, I got to do Clifton Strengths with university students in Afghanistan, and you know, 
anyway, uh, the things we do, right? As we're prepping for it, I I don't really, really internalize the fact that I have now, thankfully at this point, I've begun teaching with a translator multiple times, but I've never taught Clifton Strengths to a translator. Now, I've done this a couple times. I've done this now. I've taught Clifton Strengths in Japanese with a translator. I've taught it in Spanish in Costa Rica with a translator. At the time, I'd never done it with a translator in Afghanistan. This is my first. And so there was no translator at this point. I was doing it in English and going to try to make sense of it. <laughs> Let me just start by saying that the session kicked off, and of the 12, I think we had six show up, um, most of which were late, and that's that's how things go sometimes. And so already I could feel myself being slightly dejected, but um, <laughs> as it got going... It was a train wreck. I mean, an unmitigated, an unmitigated disaster. Like I, I was trying to explain, and I could tell that they were sort of getting it, but not getting it at the time. And it just, it just was bad. Do you ever have that moment where you, you have kind of an out of body experience where you float above yourself, and you're just like, you can see it, and you're like, oh my god, this is terrible. But you can't stop, and so your mouth is still going, but you're watching yourself going. I don't. Know what I'm saying or doing, and that's how it's going. And I'd had I'd talked to these students for an hour, and I had another, and I was just like, "Ugh!" And it was a train wreck. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? You reboot and you go to something you know. You go to your greatest hits. And so, as I'm as I can tell, the Strengths Finder stuff is flopping, and I've got about 30, 40 more minutes left. I decide I've got to pivot. I've got a downshift, and I'm like, just just do something to get filler, to get through, and get through to the end of the session. So I I shift into my greatest hits. My well, you got to have a dream. Now this is 2011. Thankfully, I'm I'm more nuanced, and I've developed greater tools since then. But you know, when all else fails, if you're someone that others would call a motivational speaker, which you guys know I hate being called a motivational speaker, um, you, 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 you know, you, you can never go wrong with talking about dreams. And so I launch into, well, it's really important to have vision, you know, because you need to reverse engineer your vision for your life and you need to do this. And, and I'm talking about, I mean, I've talked to college students for years and I'm doing this thing and yeah, great. Okay. Um, and I'm just kind of rolling and rolling. And it's not until I get close to basically the end of the session that I realize I'm in Afghanistan. Like, it never once occurred to me what it means to talk about vision in an active war zone. Like, it was that insane. But instead of thinking through that, instead of... <laughs> Instead of being able to like process, Mike, you know, your words have different meanings here and there's consequences and what does that mean and is that realistic and all these things. Instead, I just piled on and kept going. Why? Well, because it was about me. I was worried about my discomfort in that moment. I hadn't prepped. I was careless. I was all the things that people often are when they try to take something they've been successful at in their own context and apply it and demand it and put it on someone else. And I'd done all that. But I didn't care. I just needed it done. I was feeling terrible. I needed to get through it. And so we, we wrapped it up. And I was like, yep, so remember, have a dream. Thanks for coming. 
and I knew it was terrible. And I'm talking to the students, a couple of the students afterwards, and and I can tell they're just trying to honor me as the teacher. And they're like, oh, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. And I knew it was terrible, but they're kind, and you know, it's an honor culture. They would never dishonor me by telling me how absolutely terrible I was. But when they left, I was just so excited. I flopped in that chair, and all the students had kind of funneled out, and the door closed in this little dusty um, conference room. And then as I'm gathering up my stuff, thanking God that it's over, um, one of the students walks back in. And he sat down, and I don't remember his name. Um, I saw him a, a couple years later, but I don't remember his name ultimately but he said teacher can i can i talk to you and i said absolutely absolutely you know how you rally you put on that smile you're like of course of course i just gave you the world's worst (laughs) worst strengths course of course you can talk to me and he sat down and um and at the corner of the table and you know i'm all amped and on i woo i was like what can i do for you and he said teacher I, i really i really liked what you said about having a dream He's like, that's really important. He's like, I have had a dream a very long time. A very long time. And I was like, great, great, that's good. You know, thinking that maybe my dream speech hadn't been terrible. And he's like, yeah, I've I've had a dream. I've had a dream a long time. I said, well, it's important to have dreams. He says, but but teacher, I, I need to tell you about something. And I've had a dream for years to be a doctor. And again, I'm trying I'm talking to you in English, but his his English was okay, but it wasn't great and he was struggling to get it out. And so but, you know, to paraphrase, he basically he's like I've had a dream for years since I began finishing my undergrad to be a doctor. And I said, "Well, that's great." And he's like he's like, "Yeah, he's like, but but teacher, I've had I've been dreaming since since I was a boy to be a doctor and and now that I've graduated college, I'm trying to get into medical school." And I said, "And and I said to him, well, that's that's great. And he said, no. He said, teacher, the challenge is that medical school, all um, all medical education around the world is taught in English. And so he went on to say that he'd spent years um, trying to get into Kabul Medical School. But in order to do that, you have to pass the TOEFL test, which is an English equivalency fluency test. And so you take a test to prove that your English is is good enough to be able to understand the lectures and the materials. And he said, teacher, I've taken, I've studied, I've taken courses, and I've taken the TOEFL test twice. And I just can't pass. I've just not, I'm not able to pass. I've taken it again and again. He's like, and teacher, and then he starts to get emotional. He's like, but and teacher, my family has started to mock me. And my father, my father at night to my uncles will say, I've spent all this money on this exam and he does not pass again and again. And teacher, everyone laughs. And my father says that I should pray and I should be praying because that's all I, sh- that's all I can do. And we talk a lot about religion and God in Afghanistan. It's it's cultural. It's a re- Islamic Republic, and so I love that conversation. And I just I doubled down. I said, "Well, maybe teacher." I said, "I said to him, well, you know, maybe maybe your father's right. I mean, maybe praying would help. I believe that Allah cares about you and cares about the things that you want and dream of. Um, maybe your father's right. Maybe maybe you can pray to Allah for help and support. Then try to take the test again, and." With tears in his eyes, he looked at me and said, No, teacher, you do not understand. My father is not telling me to pray to Allah so I can achieve my dream. 
He said, my father is, pray- is telling me to pray to Allah to kill my dream because then I will not be sad for not being able to achieve it. And he says, but teacher, I pray every night asking Allah to kill this dream of being a doctor. But when I wake up in the morning, I still want to be a doctor. Teacher, can you please tell me how to kill my dream? Do you ever have those moments when like you're the wrong person? And like somebody else should have been the one to be in that room. Somebody else smarter, <laughs> more prepared, more more wise should have been the one to answer those questions. I I in that moment would like to tell you that I was the I was had some brilliant thing to say, but I just remember like feeling like it was an arrow through my chest. And I thought to myself, do I lie to him or not? But I was feeling so much, quite honestly, shame about having talked about dreams out of context and not not being reasoned and showing wisdom. And I've been careless in my preparation for the session that I thought I have to I have to engage this moment with honesty. And I don't know where I found that. That's not I'm not this isn't about me being courageous. But do you ever find words that come from a, somewhere else? They come from, you know, my, in my world, we would have said it came from God. Some of you would have said the universe, whatever it is. There's words that show up that, that you know are better than you. And I think it's the, it's the gift of wisdom. You know, there's an ancient proverb that's talk about wisdom. It's like a woman that she, she whispers and gives you good things. And in that moment, the whisper of wisdom was better than me. Because I... I somehow took a breath and I looked at him and I said, my friend, I need you to know that you might not ever get to be a doctor. That might not be what you can achieve. And, and it is hard and I'm sorry, but what about being a doctor moves you? See, we confuse the fact that a vision actually starts with the seed of a vision, and it's the seed that is of the greatest value. That seed could be planted somewhere else. That seed could be impactful in other ways. I said, is it helping people? Is it curing disease? Is it being a part of people's lives? What is that thing? And then I said to him, see hope can't be in the realization of that dream you know hope has to be in the seed of that dream being so vital that you when that whether the plant flourishes or not you can dig that seed up and plant it somewhere else i said to him is it could you be a nurse is there other roles what was it about being a doctor deconstruct that And a strengths-based approach to life is one to know that that seed of wanting to matter to a certain group of people in a certain way, that is the actual hope, not the perfection of the realization of the dream. The lesson for all of us, I think, is this. Anybody can dream the first dream. Anyone can dream the first time. Anyone can start at the beginning and say, I want to be this. Little kids have posters on their wall and pictures and videos they love to watch over and over again that are their heroes and what they want to be growing up. And anybody can dream the first dream. 
The real strength, the real courage is to dream again and again and again. See, this is where our strength comes from, is that people will put too much worry into, well, can I or not achieve this one dream? The first thing you got to do is, do you have the courage and resolve and strength to dream again and again and again and again? Is to take those seeds and go, I'm going to plant them again. I'm going to plant them again. It's not the plant. It's the seed that is valuable. Do you have enough seeds of dreams to keep dreaming again and again? Where are you this week? Like my student friend who, I wish I could tell you how his story ends. I don't know. He thanked me and I gave him some ideas and he walked away, but I don't know what happened to him. My my prayer is that he he keeps dreaming. He's also in a place that doesn't like to dream that has a struggle to dream, that has to fight to dream. Where are you? Are you a person who who settled on a dream and like left that out for yourself? And now that it didn't come to true, didn't come to pass, your marriage is falling apart, your relationship isn't working, you didn't get the promotion, your first company failed, your children haven't turned out the way you dreamed. Do you give up? Or do you do the work to dig through the ruins of your field? find the seeds that are valuable, and replant them. What can you do right now to really, truly dig up the seeds, look at them, be like, wait, what is it I'm passionate about? What is it I'm talented for? What population moves me? And then replant. Anybody can dream the first time. It is the truly courageous and strong that make dreaming again and again a way of life. It means the world to have you guys join me here this week. Thanks so much for giving me your time. If you feel like you've stopped dreaming or you don't know what the seeds are of your dream, you don't know what your talents are, you don't know who you care about, and, and that vision slash your dream has grown cold, I'd love to talk to you about it. Drop me a message, and I'll give you some time for free. We'll sit down and, and start that process of planting that seed and dreaming again. I love you guys. Thanks so much for your time. Please share this with a friend. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Follow the Relationship Podcast. For more resources and information, please check out my website at www.michaeldoffney.com. For free resources, you can check out my blog as well as my YouTube page and reach me through any social media channel, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter.